Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jeff Ruby about people-centric organizational culture and health. Jeff Ruby, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have the chance to have a discussion with you today about all things related to healthy organizational culture and really thriving in this kind of a pandemic environment uh, when organizations are struggling. They're struggling to stay afloat. They're struggling to keep their employees and their customers healthy, and they're trying to be adaptive and innovate in this kind of really difficult environment. Uh, So I think talking about culture in that kind of a context will be a really interesting discussion. As we get started today, I just wanna share Jeff's bio with all of the listeners. Jeff Ruby began his business career in his hometown, earning a degree in business administration at the University of Akron. After graduating, he created a successful career in sales, in one case, increasing the company's sales by 800% in only four years. He leveraged his sales record into his first business, which he ultimately sold for profit, the Ruby Group, which focused on training sales teams across the country. In addition to sales training and leadership, Jeff's extensive experience includes marketing, business strategy, job costing, and profitability analysis. In 2010, Jeff started Red Rock Leadership, a company with a game-changing strategy for dynamic business growth and leadership. A compelling speaker, Jeff continues to inspire not only his clients, but business leaders across the country, incorporating stories from his own experiences, as well as his love of baseball and coaching. He also hosts the Red Rock Leadership Podcast. Jeff and his wife, Tracy, have successfully raised two beautiful daughters and currently reside in Tampa, Florida with their dog, Roscoe. Uh, What a great background and bio. Uh, So much of, of your passion and interest overlaps with my passions and interests. Um, So I'm really excited to have the chance to talk with you today. Excellent. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Anything you would like to add by way of background or introduction as we, before we launch on into the discussion? Oh, just that uh, I actually published my first book earlier this year. So uh, anybody that may be interested in checking that out, you can, you can check it out on uh, Amazon or any of the major online uh, retailers. So it's called Red Rock Leadership. Red Rock's all one word. Red Rock Leadership, transform your company culture and unleash the potential for exponential growth. Excellent. And congratulations on the book. And that's a really good place to start because um, that, that encapsulates much of really what I wanted to discuss today. Um, so when you talk about unleashing potential through company culture, maybe you can describe a little bit about what you mean by that and some, some specific things that organizations might try to do uh, particularly in this COVID environment, to start to move in that direction. You know, it's it, it's um, 
it's interesting to bring COVID into the discussion because for, I think for a lot of companies, what they're finding is that crises don't necessarily like this, don't necessarily, uh, you know, create, you know, their situation that they're in. It really, it really defines it. Right. It's so it starts to bring out what was already happening in your culture and, and bring it to the forefront. So some cultures are beginning to recognize that, wow, you know, we're, we're a little tighter knit than we thought we were. We, we have a lot more going on than we thought we did. While there's some others that are going, you know, we, we don't know what's going on here. What, what has happened? Why, why are we in shambles? And, you know, at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is leadership driving culture. And, and to that regard, when we talk about driving culture in this environment or not in this environment, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to um, this idea of intrinsic motivation, right? Is your team internally motivated? Are they, are they tuned in to what's going on and are they doing the right things for the right reasons? And that's just kind of the center point of where I really believe an organizational culture is going to thrive from. If you have a heavy handed leadership style and you are uh, trying to drive tasks through your staff uh, in an environment like this, you're in it. You're, it's going to be a long, long, treacherous road for you. If you are in a position to trust your staff and you are going to guide them to a more positive future, then you are going to be an extremely profitable organization and not just in money, but you're going to be very profitable in terms of your culture flourishing. So hopefully that, that, that explains it, or at least gives a little, little insight around it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I completely agree. I, I, there's so much research out there that talks about the value of various intrinsic motivators. I've done a lot of that research myself cross nationally, looking at differences across the globe and, and some of the reasons for those differences. Uh, but one thing that's clear, pretty much of all workers across the globe in studies that have been replicated over and over and over again in different contexts, different industries, different job types, is that people want meaningful work. They want interesting work. They want work with a purpose. And these are all intrinsic types of motivations. And honestly, many organizational leaders do a pretty crummy job connecting the potential and the passions of their employees to what the to the work of the organization and the outcomes for the for the consumers and uh, for the for their clientele, uh, and it's ironic because much of those intrinsic motivators are those free motivators. They're, it's not talking about paying people more, giving them right. richer benefits, all the stuff that really drives up labor costs. We're talking about often fairly straightforward things that just take some intentionality, that just take some care, um, that just require uh, an employee-centered mindset. And, and it doesn't cost you really a dime, um, especially once the, the, the manager, the supervisor, the leader starts to get comfortable with that approach. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to me that even amidst you know, we, I mean, we have a plethora. It, it's, it's really past the point of even being a question. It's, it's, re, it's readily documented um, fact, as far as I'm concerned, that that is how you drive successful organizations. If you want innovative organizations, if you want creative organizations with empowered people doing amazing things for the customers, you need to tap into their intrinsic motivations and create meaning and purpose and interesting work and all of those different elements. Um, so what, what do you think 
you know, what, what's the reason why there's so much, uh, there continues to be so much pushback, resistance, and unwillingness to adopt that kind of an approach and mentality within organizations? It, it comes down to control, insecurity. A, a uh, owner of a company or a president of a CEO, whatever it might be, uh, could be, you know, just a manager of a team of some leader in the organization. It, it really comes down to their level of insecurity and wanting to control a situation, wanting to control people, not trusting. You know, I, I talk to people all the time about this idea of trust and what trust really is. And, you know, in the book, I, 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 detail out that trust can really be four things, but the one thing that has to be for a leader is it has to be an action. And so what I tell leaders is trust must be an action. In other words, the, the moment you hire somebody into your organization and you give them the key to the key to the office and you give them a computer password, you're trusting that individual, trust them to do their job. And so many times it, just boils down to that leader not being willing to trust the individual to follow through on what they need to follow through on. So they, they muscle, they muscle through it. And I think it's contagious and it can become uh, very uh, much like a, a, pardon the, uh, the pun today, but could become like a virus in your organization that, you know, once one leader is trained that way or the culture is sort of sustained that way, that's, that's generally how the organization goes. And so it's all the way on down the line. So you see people micromanaging their, the, their, the people that are on their team. They start to micromanage their colleagues. They start to micromanage their customers. They start to micromanage their vendors. And it, it really um, impedes growth. So I think it comes down to trust. Yeah, yeah. Power, control, letting go of that control, trusting, which requires trust. I absolutely agree. And again, it's ironic because just if, if a leader, well, let, let me say it this way. Most leaders find themselves in leadership positions, not because they have had any great success as a leader in the past, but usually because they've demonstrated technical expertise of some sort within their specific field. They, they were really great in sales, they were a great coder, and all of a sudden they find themselves over a team of coders or salespeople or whatever, right? right. Um, and then all of a sudden they're thrust into a sales environment. So what do they do if they don't actually know how to do it? They mimic what they've seen other people do. They mimic what they see people at their organization do. And so you're right, it's, it spreads like wildfire, um, the, this unhealthy approach. And the reason why I think it spreads faster and easier than the healthy approach is because it's it's easier. Uh, it 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 doesn't take as much effort or intentionality by the leader to um, to be a micromanager. I mean, ultimately, in the long run, that takes way more energy. But but it it it's it's kind of the cutting corners approach to leadership. It it really is easier to go about your day that way, and it's easier to just put out fires as they arise. It's easier to just um, respond to employee questions as they arise, rather than being more proactive, taking a strategic approach, investing in your people early, working on those relationships, developing the relationships, developing the trust. Uh, and so people default to this unhealthy approach and then it spreads like wildfire because everyone else in the organization sees that as the example and they, 
they know, like you said, they, they are concerned about their own security. Um, to disrupt that kind of a system, to disrupt that kind of a culture as a lower level employee usually is the sentence of death when it comes to career advancement, development, even employment, you know, staying with the organization. And so it need, we, when I'm working with an organization, we're talking about the, these types of topics and creating a healthy culture, it needs to be an effort across the organization for sure, but there has to be top-down buy-in. And if there isn't uh, commitment from the C-suite on down through middle management, um, then the line level employees, no matter what you say, you can say all the right things. They're not going to do it if they see in practice their supervisor, their manager, or the executives behaving in a different way, right? Um, and so we need to find ways to disrupt that. We need to help leaders recognize the harm, probably unintentionally, the unintentional harm usually, but the harm that they're causing their organizations and how they're hamstringing their organization and really capping the potential of their employees uh, because nobody wants to take risks and nobody wants to innovate and push the envelope if they feel like they're going to get punished or if they feel like every time they come up with an idea, they're just going to be micromanaged, they'll be shut down or their leader will just take credit for their idea. So uh, I right. think all, all those things contribute. No question about it. No question. You said you, you nailed it. Yes. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the thing that, that I, I would, I would couple with this idea of trust and being able to be a leader who does trust is what goes hand in hand is this idea of perseverance. And I think you have got to be willing to persevere. And for many people, it's persevering is closing your mouth and opening up your ears. For some people, it's opening up your mouth and, uh, you know, speaking more than you normally would. And so th this whole idea of assuming positive intent and persevering is ultimately is going to drive collaboration. And when you drive collaboration, now you have synergy. And we all know that the sum of the parts is always going to be greater than the whole. So, you know, if you really want to drive your company culture, drive collaboration, dr drive synergy, as a leader, you've got to trust first. And from that, you'll start to see intrinsic motivation. You'll start to see those different elements of emotional intelligence begin to rise. And then you, where there's a more emotionally intelligent organization, there is a more, there's an organization who acts with more purpose. They, they see what they're, what they're operating, what they're, what they're operating as and what they're, striving toward is something that's bigger than themselves. And ultimately that's and right back around. That's what every individual employee that signs on to your team wants to be part of. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. So. Yeah. And, and this is the way to um, not only maximize the potential of your current employees, but it's, it's all about attracting and retaining the best people as well. Because people don't want to go work for an organization. You know, if they've, if they've done their homework and they're highly skilled, highly competitive in the labor market, and your organization has a reputation uh, for an unhealthy culture, unethical culture, uh, micromanagement type of leadership culture, um, and, and it's not an innovative culture, you're, not, you're just simply not going to get the right people. You're not going to get the best people because the, the good people aren't going to want to go there. And they're certainly not going to want to stay there if you get them in the first place. You right. might be able to entice them with a high salary initially, but they're not going to stick around. And so 
Um, so it's about getting the right people on the team and then utilizing the right people on the team in the right way. And I, I briefly mentioned just a second ago about ethical culture and ethical leadership. I, I think the two go hand in hand. If you, if you have a people-centric um, organizational culture to drive innovation, uh, that will necessarily and fundamentally also be an, a more ethical culture. When you have companies that are driven through power, control, lack of trust, and more micromanagement types of approaches, then often bad things happen. Um, and it, it's because people are more concerned about self-preservation um, than actually moving things forward in a positive manner. And so, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, all the way across the board, it's, it's so important that we strive to have these types of organizational, positive organizational cultures that focus on our people, both internally, the employees, but also externally, the, the, the customers, and that ultimately um, we try to disrupt the unhealthy mechanisms that might stall a culture transformation. So there, we could go way more in depth into all of this, um, but I know you cover that more in your book as well. Uh, before we part ways today, I want to allow you one more time to share with the listeners, how can they connect with you? Um, how can they find out more about your book, your company, and reach out if they need assistance? Absolutely. First of all, you can go to redrockleadership.com and check us out there. Right on the homepage, you can get access to the book. You can buy it in bulk there. You can link to different retailers. That would be the easiest and quickest way to, uh, to get us, obviously, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram and all those kind of good things as well. Uh, but um, redrockleadership.com would be the place you want to go and pick up a copy of the book, Red Rock Leadership, Transform Your Company Culture and Unleash the Potential for Exponential Growth. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate you. you sharing your insights with the listeners. And I encourage my listeners to reach out to Jeff, check out his book, get connected on LinkedIn, um, and find ways to utilize his expertise to help your organization. I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. Have a wonderful week. And I hope everyone can find meaning and purpose in their work each and every day. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.